0: Some issues deserve more time than a one-hour radio show allows. Welcome to The Roy's Report Extra, a podcast exploring issues
1: discussed on The Roy's Report in more detail and without any commercial breaks. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's.
2: Well, thank you for joining us for The Roy's Report Extra. Today's show is a continuation of the inaugural broadcast of The Roy's Report, which originally aired on June 22nd. Our topic was crusading bloggers. Are they cleaning up the church by exposing sin and corruption, or are they tearing down the church by airing our dirty laundry and spreading gossip? Uh, My guests are Ryan Mahoney and Scott Bryant, authors of the Elephant's Debt blog, a blog critical of Harvest Bible Chapel, and its former celebrity pastor, James McDonald. So welcome, gentlemen. So glad you could join me again. Yeah, good to be here again. Good to see you, Julie. Yep. And also with me is Dr. Jessica Hockett, a former member of Harvest, who became a very popular microblogger on Twitter. So, Jessica, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, uh, this is one of those shows where we could probably fill four or five hours. We're, we're going to fill close to an hour now again, but in our first uh, broadcast, which I encourage people, if you didn't hear that, you might want to go back and listen to it, especially if you haven't been following what's happened at Harvest Bible Chapel and the elephant's debt and uh, Twitter and social media. Um, you might want to go back and that sort of tells the story. Um, but because we had to spend so much time telling the story, we weren't able to dig into some of the issues. And so that's what we want really want to do uh, in this next hour. Um, and so let me just start with the premise of the whole program, which was our bloggers, you know, who we call them crusading bloggers, because obviously you guys were activists. You wanted to expose what was going on at Harvest Bible Chapel. You wanted to bring it to people's attention because they didn't know some things that you knew. But by doing that, you're airing some dirty laundry. You know, this is the church of Jesus Christ. People are getting saved in this church. People have been discipled in this church. And here you are kind of pulling back the curtain, and there's some pretty ugly stuff back there, and people feeling really uncomfortable and saying, hey, you know, if you want to deal with this, just deal with it in private. You know, don't put this out in the public sphere where everybody can see it and where the, the rest of the world can see it and, um, and can use it as an opportunity to say, yeah, those Christians, we knew they were all hypocrites anyway. So um, let me throw that to Ryan first. I mean, how do, you, how do you respond to that, and why do you think it is cleaning up the church?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, you have to sort of separate um, the issue there because there's often a conflation of um, Matthew 18 and this confrontation of personal, right. individual, private sin and, and the process there that, um, you know, Christians talk about and, and they want to lump in sort of systematic um, problems in the church with with Matthew 18, which is a very individual if your brother sins against you, right. go to him or her. Um, but. Generally speaking, what you see in social media and blogs, and of course it's not always the case, but you're, you're talking about systematic problems, issues, sins, crimes, uh, uh, violations of people's civil rights uh, in the case of some churches. And that—that that is a public issue um, that, yes, it's appropriate to, to deal with it privately. And in the case of Harvest, uh, numerous elders, um, the prior elder board uh, went to James privately about numerous things numerous times and the narrative we got from them was
2: we have we've exhausted all these remedies Now this would have been back in 2008 2009 mm-hmm. right yeah because you had a whole group of elders um, and Dave Corning was the, the chairman mm-hmm. then and he had been there for, he was a founding elder so he had right. been there for 20 some
1: years there was a prior elder to him briefly but yeah he had been there for 25 years yeah or something like that yeah
2: yeah so you have these elders then you have James reorganizing the board. And doing it in such a way that now the board really can't rein him in he's taking power right. these guys are so these guys stepped down so they're
1: well they they, they actually <clears throat> confronted him and there was mm-hmm. a, a large um confrontational meeting and and james you know pounds his fist on the so the so the story goes from several people that he pounds his fist on the table and says if you want me out of this office you're gonna have to sue me out of this office i have the microphone i've got the money and there's nothing you guys are going to do about it and they realize and like, who told you this uh, several of the uh, the elders who are on that board who are in the meeting okay. um, confirm the story. And uh, Can you name them? Um, I can.
2: Yeah, I just think it's helpful. Do you want me to? Well, see, this is the thing, and this gets <laughs> to the difference <laughs> between you and me, right, because right. blogs often put Correct. out anonymous sources, right. and to me... And this is my pushback as a journalist. Yeah. I think we have way more effectiveness if we say this person said it, this person said it, and sure. this person said it, and they go on the record because people tend to tell the truth when they know it's going to be broadcast right. and their name's going to be attached right. to it. Which is what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So and and, um, and and that would be my my admonition to bloggers: please yes. get people on the record and, and say their name. So who we'll, told we'll you? We'll get that? to that
1: issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, we can we
2: can table that.
1: <clears throat> um, but but. But there was the private uh, confrontation. Uh, there was something of a Matthew 18 situation going on. And, there.
2: and who told you this? Can you say the name?
1: Um, specifically, it was several of them, but certainly uh, Corning would have been one Dave of them. Dave Corning. And, okay. Um, and, but he was not by any means the only one um, telling that story. Um, but, um, but all that to say is, is what happens when, when you've, you've run those processes to the end and, and you have uh, a leader or an employee or whoever it would be, a relationship, whatever, um, where just they've dug in their heels and they've said, no, what what do you do as a congregant? What do you do as an elder? What do you do as a, an employee pastor um, when you've gone through the process and you've hit the brick wall? What do you do? Uh, to Scott and I, it was obvious. Well, you take it to the church, big C church. You, you, you put it out in public. Um, you... You leverage the relationship, the word, um, the ecclesiology broadly um, to try and remedy a local church problem.
2: Okay. Scott, let me throw it to you because I know you wrestled with this. In fact, you had a long conversation with somebody who is a pretty well-renowned theologian um, who, as I understand it, sort of Socratically asked you some questions. But you wrestled with it. And tell me, how did you— come to the position where you're like, okay, I think this is justified.
0: Well, it was a choice of this or going to become Catholic again, right? <clears throat> um, Explain
2: that. Uh, yeah. Because uh, no, that's not a logical progression for a lot of people. But so. it is, <laughs> but it is
0: because we are Protestants at our core, right? And the Protestants embedded within their very name the idea that we are a people that identify as protesters. We're ones that saw problems within the church and we stood up and we said these sorts of things about very public figures in the day and if you live and breathe and and do your church life within that stream of of, of theology, um, you can't play by those rules only when they, you know, work in your favor, so to speak. And right. so at some point I find when folks say things like, well, you know, you had no right to say that, I go, well, then feel free to make your way back to Rome or to the Orthodox Church.
2: Right, because we, I mean, the whole Wittenberg door, Luther right. taking those things that he saw wrong in the Catholic Church and just posting them publicly because he couldn't get any any resolve any other way. Correct. So Mm -hmm. you felt I mean at some point I mean there's still got to be a tipping point where you say this is so bad because all of us see I mean who lives in a church where there aren't some problems I mean that's kind of normal so where do you get to the point where you're like "Mm, this is where the point is where I have to go public and why you why didn't you just walk away quietly.
0: Uh, For my background, it uh, it really had to do with uh, poverty. <clears throat> the issue of uh, the figure that was being brought in at the Elephant Room, too, and I should just be clear on this. Uh, had McDonald done what he said he was going to do with ER2, he would have had no bigger cheerleader than myself and Ryan. Um, I think that's a desperate need within the church today to bring people across denominational lines and have these sorts of tough conversations. Uh, but not a single thing was said about the prosperity gospel in that... Uh, Meeting and uh, prosperity gospel is predicated upon uh, very wealthy individuals plying uh, spiritual manipulation to give those that generally don't have a lot—the elderly, the poor, the the whatnot—to uh, give of what little they have. And uh, for me, that becomes a massive tipping point. It's a justice issue.
2: Mm. And interestingly, I know talking to Mike Bryant, who was a pastor of a Harvest Bible Fellowship Church at the time. Um, he said that for him that was the tipping point but it wasn't even so much i mean he had an issue with it his elders had an issue with it but he saw people in his church who went to the elephant room coming back and buying td jakes td jakes books and his videos and becoming disciples of his and he was like oh my goodness this is not he never okay never told me that yeah. never me that. that's interesting yeah that was sort of the backdrop and then when he took his concerns directly to james right. he was planning on dealing with it privately Took it to James, and I wrote about this in the World magazine article. But there's a lot more to it, you yeah. know. Obviously, you can't re- write the whole thing. They took
1: a fraction of their budget and they built a catapult out in the parking lot <laughs> right. and they loaded it frequently.
2: <laughs> That's a reference to a video, but it, it actually, right after they, yeah. they kicked him out, I mean, sort of surprised him because he had objected privately. Um, then two men came from from Harvest, kicked him out of the church, and then the Rick next Donald. day, yeah, it was Rick, yeah, Rick Donald, Donald yeah. yeah, and then the next day. James gets up in front of uh, all of these people at Harvest University, all these church planning pastors and leaders, and, and gives them license to—
1: Yeah, you to, should you should take a fraction and, of your church's budget and go out in the parking lot, build a catapult, and load it frequently.
2: Yeah, and and he, and he was going from off of—which verse was it?
1: Oh, there was a Bible involved in that.
2: Oh, there was. Oh. It's, it's the thing about expelling Sorry. the factious man. Oh, that's right. right. But that's what happens when you when you say systemic. This was a spiritually abusive right. system where if you if you say there's a problem, you become the problem. Right. And so, so many people did that. Jessica, this is interesting to me because you were actually. Not necessarily having these conversations with Dave Corning and with some of the elders and the people that we talked to, you were having the conversations just really for other church members, right? And seeing things and reading the elephant's debt. So tell me for you, what benefit did that have to you what what they did.
3: Sure. Well we had been attending Harvest I think for about five or six years. Uh so two thousand six we were at the Niles campus. So we weren't at, you know, the the mothership, you know, we weren't mm-hmm. super close to the action. We were we were What's mi- the mothership? Away. Is that Elgin or the Mothership rolling meadows? I just well, think it, of as Elgin was, and rolling meadows. Yeah it, it was
1: Meadows and it became Elgin. Okay. Yeah.
3: Sure. So Niles was the third kind of kind of I, but it wasn't independent. It was a campus. I just mm-hmm. want to be clear clear about that. So we came on board and in in 2006. I've been listening to Walk in the Word for, for a little while. Really credit James McDonald's messages on repentance with helping um, save our marriage at a really critical oh huh. point. Yeah, and got the chance to meet him once and told him that and was just really tearful about that and, and was, hmm. was really, really grateful. I have no memory of of when or why we came across Elephant's Debt and I want to say that I first read Bloodstained Ink which um, for those of those listeners that don't know was Scott Bryant's blog correct Scott and you first started talking about some issues at Harvest there so I want to say that somehow maybe I got tipped off and then you know just went to Google right and 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 found Bloodstained Ink and then I think. Elephant's Debt followed not that yeah. long after. And I have to say, you know, I treat everything with healthy skepticism, right? It's my training, it's my background. And so when we first read it, it's not that we thought these two guys were, um, you know, off the rails or that they they were lying. It was just so different different from our perception and we're like what Mm -hmm. there's 60 something million dollars in in debt what he has this kind of house and some of it we sort of were we were struggling with because it sort of happened we felt like or the genesis before we came so it was that sense of and I've heard this from people who still attend harvest now like well I've only been going there for two years all that happened before me and it was Mm -hmm. kind of a defense mechanism right Mm -hmm. like the past is in the past things Mm -hmm. will be different things will change Um, but but we did believe we did believe you guys and we had friends our small group leader wonder wonderful couple they they left and they gave us their letter and said this is this is exactly why we left and we stayed on just because we were hopeful right like things are going to change maybe niles will be will be planted um Hmm. but i i heard a decline in james mcdonald's teaching that I could not explain hmm. then. I would complain what to my husband all the time. About 2010. Okay. I would say mid-2010. Later found out that his research assistant, David Jones, who's now the pastor, right. the senior pastor of Village Church of Barrington, mm-hmm. is that yep. right, mm-hmm. left around that time. Yeah. And we, we so did like Dave the,
2: Corning.
1: Yeah, they left at about the end of 09, beginning of 10. Okay, and yeah. And he was in the middle of preaching the book of Revelation, which is so easy to go through.
3: Ex- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he took frequent breaks. Yeah, he too, did. after, I think. They, after, they pulled off
1: onto the side of the road. Yep. Yeah.
3: Exactly, and then kind of finally finished it, and so there was this d- decline, and really our own apathy and laziness and, and comfort, and our kids were young, and we're both professionals, and we don't want to think about finding a new church, but I was I was angry a lot of weeks because I could hear James McDonald defending himself mm. and referring to, to critics and the factious man, and I'm like, we know what he's talking about, but they're not addressing these claims that are being made up front you know which is not that's not biblical that's not christian it's just Mm -hmm. kind of these oblique references so that they didn't have to say Hmm. from the pulpit or or recognize you know the website is really what we called it you Mm -hmm. know have you read that website Mm -hmm. you know and then you'd hear somebody else talk about it and you're like have you read it what do you think have you read it what do you think it was like this secret thing that Hmm. a lot of people knew about but a lot of people didn't did you
1: guys have a handshake (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, we should have worn like
3: a small elephant pin, or I don't yes. know, like some kind Too of obvious. sign, you know? That, right. But well, well, right. one of the
1: pastors. Well, actually, there was more than one, I think. But they they were telling people like, "Don't go it. It's it's worse than porn." That was the
2: that yes. was the, the, the. Did you ever pitch. hear worse than porn?
3: I never heard that. I recently heard from somebody who went to to Niles uh, when when we did that. Our campus pastor, Mo Zachariah, around t- 2012. Um, th- this this person, I won't give his name, but he commented under his own name at at TED. And, and he said that Mo Zachariah you know, call, called him out for mm. posting comments on the blog. Mm. So it's funny because we knew that le- leaders were watching. And we know that about Twitter, too, right? We right. know that about Facebook. Like, right. they're, they're watching mm-hmm. to see. But yet, for, for many, many years anyway, they just did not want to even acknowledge the existence of
2: of elephants that even though we all knew it was out there it's on the the, internet for heaven's sakes you know
1: real elephant in the room
2: right it was it was (laughs) thank you thank you well and it's interesting to hear you say that because i was at moody during this whole thing and james mcdonald walking the word was was on moody radio and i remember when the gambling thing came out and i remember going to a senior leader and being like what on earth we have a guy on our radio who's preaching at moody who's gambling in vegas i mean really With our chairman of the board? Yeah, well, that was the whole thing. Uh At the time, I just said, this just. Pocket change. (laughs) Pocket change. Four grand. No big deal. This doesn't seem like a a godly thing. You know, and then I find out that, yeah, then a year later, when this all came out, um, that he had been gambling with Jerry Jenkins, who is a chairman of the board at Moody, isn't Mm. anymore, resigned. Um, but was at the time, and somehow then James survives that mm-hmm. whole scandal, and he ends mm-hmm. up staying at Moody. But I remember, and I remember the excommunication because I knew Scott Phelps, mm-hmm. and anybody who knows Scott Phelps, who was one of the elders excommunicated, one of the most godly men I've ever met. He's been in my in my home. I remember when we were going through stuff with our school district, and we're like, should we? what should we do? And he came in and actually gave us an evening where he— He coached us on, you know, the kind of how do you address when the sex ed is so bad in your public school and and some of those things. And so, I I mean, I just knew Scott Phelps couldn't be what they were saying, satanic to the core and some of these other things. Honestly, though, I never saw the video. I just heard about it. There was a lot of buzz. But then it was like a year later, I heard, oh, he's repentant. And I remember talking to one of the other radio hosts who knew him well, because when I got invited to speak at Harvest, in uh, 2017 I remember going to one of them and being like is, is Harvest on the up and up because like I mean I feel kind of funky about this whole thing and I would heard some not so good things from people who had been with James when he was on the Israel trips and kind mm-hmm. of his behavior mm-hmm. and that kind of gets around mm-hmm. and and I remember somebody said, oh, yeah, I mean, he he took his poker table out and he broke it in public and it was this big thing. And he's so repentant. And it's really different than some of these other scandals because he was so repentant mm-hmm. over it. And so I kind of took the line mm-hmm. and shame on me. I didn't, you know, go and look into it that much. Um, but for me, it was sort of, you know, this this uh this epiphany when people started coming to me and Mm -hmm. telling me their stories personally, and then you hear it in their voice. I mean, there's just an authenticity. And I will never forget the night that Dave Corning and Betsy Corning came over to my house, stayed till like midnight. And Betsy, I mean... The amount of emotion she still had and trauma, it was just so clear, mm-hmm. um, the amount of trauma that she had experienced because they tried to leave quietly, but he went after her, mm-hmm. after her ministry and got, you know, things canceled mm-hmm. where they're at. But I mean, it, it just, it, it began to ring true to me, but I also saw, and I guess, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, angles to, to approach with this, but, but I think one of them is um, the larger church. <laughs> and the larger church and the way because okay you guys go public so you felt and, and you know honestly there's probably more to explore there the, and and let me be, before we go to, to the larger church one there's one more thing I do want to explore there and it does remind me of Betsy because Betsy found this John MacArthur sermon on 1 Timothy 520 where it talks about where there's an elder who continues to sin mm-hmm. to expose him publicly and I have to say at the time Kind of my theme verse had been, you know, the ones in Ephesians about have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but expose rather them. expose them. And then and that really, that was kind of my mantra in, in what I did. I, I felt that, you know, when I blew the whistle on Moody, that was kind of it. But then it became 1 Timothy 5.20, and, and I heard that message, and I was like, wow, this is powerful. She began just disseminating it to people, and she didn't want to go on the record at the time, but came under so much conviction that she had to publicly expose But I'd never, other than this sermon, I'd never heard somebody preach on that passage. And when I hear people like you brought it up, the Matthew 18 thing about, and that's a personal sin, nobody ever, that I can ever remember, had ever preached on that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a little Mm self-serving. Pastors don't want to be preaching, hey, you know what? If I do something wrong, you need to publicly expose me, (laughs) you know? So for the person who's listening, because I, I know there are some, can we... Can we walk through that a little bit on what, what would you see as the steps a person should take? Well, I mean, and then we will get to the larger church and one, the way they responded.
1: One of the frustrating things, I mean, I grew up in conservative evangelicalism, very Republican evangelicalism politically, um, and so you swim in these waters, and so there's there's um, an automatic distrust of the accumulation of power in government. Mm-hmm. even well-intentioned programs right. the mantra is but even great intentions will lead you to hell when you consolidate power because human beings cannot be trusted with that and we all believe that right right and we've got this you know healthy skepticism about government and its ability to do good in the world fine uh, you know there's a big strain in uh, you know the Republican Party and hollow parts of it, but certainly that that have a skepticism, and certainly Democrats do, uh, about uh, the concentration of power in the markets, right? I mean, everybody's worried about uh, Amazon and Google and mm-hmm. and the, and the power that they have to edit searches and, and, and all of that, and all of that suspicion about power. All of our theology about the brokenness of humanity suddenly magically vanishes the moment we walk into a church. It's insane. It's cognitive dissidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was – and look, I was a part of it. Um, I didn't want to believe that we were the bad guys, that I was a part of the bad guys. We wore the white hats and the bad guys are out there. Um, But (laughs) what what a foolish theology of the church, what a foolish theology of – human depravity.
2: And yet, we need to trust too because, I mean, if we get to the point where we can't trust anyone, there needs to be, but it needs to be a proven trust. Reagan said,
1: trust and verify. verify. Trust.
2: Well, and I agree with that. And trust is something that's built over time. Like I've said this to my kids. You know, if you break trust, we forgive you immediately, but it's going to take time Mm -hmm. till you can have the car again. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's going to need to be earned back. And so, but, but when this happens, I think all of us would say, would we not, the first thing to do would be, unless you have a reason not to, wouldn't you approach your elders when you approach sure. your leadership? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, many, many people
2: yeah. did,
3: you know, and we did multiple times with our campus pastor and our our, our elders, and we were always um, dismissed, and we were always told, because our our bigger issue overall, it was kind of like, well— James Schmames. I mean, what, what about the people who, hold, who are holding him accountable and who are in that role? Like, what are, they, what are they doing? And we were always told he is being held accountable. Don't worry. Don't worry. Even though we saw exactly the opposite. So mm-hmm. then, you know, and at, at Harvest and other big churches, too, and small churches, people had no voice. I mean, your job was to, to show up, to, to give money, to give your time, and don't ask any questions and don't don't you dare rock the boat or you know there are no perfect churches so you can go someplace else right so there was a lot of suppression you know of of questions or just any and you talk about matthew 18 i'm not sure that even happened really at harvest but
1: but the problem is 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 that it's putting in a a huge burden on the congregant right exactly um
2: well and there's a talk about balance of power Correct. you that's the issue right right To, to go to one say you're a victim and it's and it's Sexual abuse, you right. know. I mean, because we're hearing so much of that in the church. Well, I mean,
1: Jill shared her story that she felt she was as an employee at Harvest. Um, she was um, Monaco. 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 Oh, she shared better. it on her blog and, mm-hmm. and on Twitter. So I'm not sharing anything that she hasn't shared publicly that she felt sexually harassed in, in this place as a workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and because it's tied to employment, because there is. Uh, there is this strong structure and system of power. Uh-huh. Who in their right mind wants to go up against that?
3: And tied to your spirituality. Right. So if you're hearing from the pulpit, you know, that these factious guys and don't don't cause division and everything, then even if you are a very direct confrontational person, like I actually tend to be. And I'm not afraid to no. ask. No, really? I know. really? It's sh- shocking. Um that's why twitter was a good fit but um but you know even so then they're they're going to say that there's a problem or at least imply that there's a problem with you spiritually and the problem is is you well and that's
2: that is a hallmark so so as we're you know trying to learn some lessons from the i do remember this from when I, i used to be on staff at a church and one of the hallmarks of a dysfunctional system is that when you bring up a problem there is no problem you are the problem so if you're hearing that in a church that's a problem right that is yeah it is exactly what it is Um, and that happened in spades and then when you use scripture to guilt people (laughs) that i mean you begin to see and and Mm -hmm. i do think our churches need to have a little more training on spiritual abuse but uh, you know to expect matthew 18 has been one of the most misused scriptures and actually i have a post it's a guest post from um from somebody who had written i I just thought it was great on on ways people misapply matthew 18 but that is about two a a personal offense that you have with someone else i never had a personal offense with harvest yeah never sure i met james once you know when he was in the studio before i got there and we happened to chat a little bit that's all i've ever met i didn't have an axe to grind i didn't have anything i mean the truth is i just felt for (laughs) for for me it was primarily the purity of the church Mm-hmm. the bride the reputation of Jesus Christ. And and it's interesting because people say, you know, airing our dirty laundry. You know, I look in the scriptures. I mean, Old Testament, God doesn't seem so concerned about what happens to his people. He cares about or, his holiness
1: or their reputation. Right,
2: sure. Or sure. their reputations. He took kings mm-hmm. down. He he took his entire, you know, all of the Israelite people and and banished them to other lands, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got exiled because he cared about his holiness, and I think we've mm-hmm. forgotten that in the church mm-hmm. that God cares about holiness. And so, for me, that mm-hmm. that much more was was sort of my driving force. But to expect people to go, mm-hmm. you know, especially an abuse victim to somebody who's in power, that is unbelievably scary. Scott, so let's
0: take a, a slightly more optimistic uh, situation. <clears throat> and again, I apologize for the throat clearing. Um, take a church like I'm attending right now, ballpark 2,000 people, right? I don't know a single person that sits on that elder board. Not Mm. one. There are multiple services, multiple campuses, and the chance that I would actually physically bump into another human being and say, oh, there's an elder, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what do I have to do? If I have an issue, if I have a concern, I have to approach the institution itself to even get access Mm -hmm. to the elder Mm -hmm. To say, here's my problem, and all of a sudden it's getting mediated. And again, I have no concerns with my church at present, I really don't, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying the way that we have structured church today is in such a way that that numbers, size, and whatnot, Mm -hmm. um, it makes it very pragmatically difficult to actually approach an elder and have these sorts of conversations, right?
3: And then the people at the top are allowed to isolate themselves. I know that happened at Willow Creek too. Mm-hmm. That report that came out from the investigation that was done about the leadership there too. I mean, yeah, when you have such a huge church, I get it. Like you can't, you know, allow everybody to come up and have personal conversations with James McDonald every day about their their griefs or their their beefs. Right. But um, so, what
2: can churches do? Because I, I've I've actually had churches reaching out to me asking this very question and and i thought too it'd be good to interview a lot of these former elders and put together some sort of you know booklet or something to be to be a guide because i think there's a lot of churches trying to do it right simple answer downsize Mm -hmm. downsize
0: and Mm -hmm. instead of talking about church growth let's talk about uh, uh downsizing breaking campuses off creating independent autonomy and getting pastors and elders actually connected to the flock that they are supposed to be shepherding.
2: But let me push back on that, because I actually said that to some... Actually, David was sent. We had some really good conversations, and he happens to be a pastor of a very large church. Um, I I know there's some difference of opinion on on David, um, but I thought David made a good point on this issue, and he said, I never set out to have a megachurch. And he said, I ended up with... With a big church, no, 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 no. and then no, we split no. off you churches from up. it.
1: You don't end up. You no. make decisions along the way to 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 have a third service, to get a bigger building, to adopt it.
2: Nobody ends up. But they have. A church oh, but it. okay, just to push back, I'm playing devil's advocate. The truth is, I sure actually agree with you. But but to to push back, I mean, he would say we have planted other you know campuses we've we've done we've done some of the church planting and some of that he said but our church keeps growing people keep coming what do we do like send them away
1: yeah i mean what you're the only church in town that can really
2: well but they're if they're people, connecting with you, you they're they're connecting with what you do the way you do church well, i mean honestly that, if somebody well, told all, me i should go to like I, i'm not going to say but you know some other church i, I like my church you know, I don't want to go to that church or I'd be there.
1: First of all, what you said is an enormous, they're connecting with you. No, they're connecting with an image on the stage that they don't know that they're projecting onto. Um, hopefully people are drawn well, into maybe, connecting. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I mean, in
2: my church, I wouldn't say they're connecting necessarily with that.
1: Um Hopefully you're connecting with actual people and actual community and people uh, that care about virtue, that care about character, that you find conversation and friendship and, and spurring on and, and, and that common life together. That, but see, we've built the church, so con- this is a wonderful segue to the broader church question you wanted to ask, okay. is, is, is that you, you, you've built this consumeristic, entrepreneurial, entertainment 501c3 that we call a church – and, and the structure and the way that it's systematized and built, um, it, it, it functions as a liturgy. The, the mm-hmm. practices and the habits of a stage, of music, of bowl seating, of uh, the screens, of the audience – it's all liturgical elements, and mm-hmm. liturgical elements shape the community and shape the individuals. Mm-hmm. You're shaping consumers. You're shaping entertainment. Um, so you would consumers. say, just
2: do away with the megachurch model. Do away with sort of the entertainment kind of way of doing church. I think that's I, I think that's a valid discussion. I know there's going to be people that, that push back, but right. let me just go right. to the governance of the church, because I think that's something, I mean, that uh, that's a huge discussion, what you've just talked about. And we probably have different opinions. Well, we probably have a lot of similar opinions on that one. But um, but when it comes to governance, I mean, the one thing I've come away with is transparency. Everything. I mean, everything. It just should be be out there. And I don't understand why my husband, who's you know, was a teacher, so he's a public servant, mm-hmm. people can find out his salary, Sure, go online, right. find out his salary. People can't go on and find out the salary of their own pastors. What is wrong with that picture? Well,
1: it's worse than that. Um, and this is what we learned in elephant step because. Walk in the Word was a, a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel and, and James McDonald, and uh, as a five hundred one c c three as a separate entity from the church, it had to file a form nine ninety, which is a tax form, which means you've got to disclose the top salaries. And so you could see, oh, James McDonald made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year. In oh, addition to his right from Walk in know, for
2: the Word, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, that's just from Walk in right. the Word. That's
1: in addition to his church salary. Okay, so um, so let's go to the nine ninety forms that the churches have to file. Oh, there's no disclosure there. So we have written into the law Mm -hmm. that... Religious organizations can be more secretive, less transparent than every other charitable organization. Well, and the reason that for that, though,
2: is that we don't want government interfering, interfering with our churches. And no, so it, I get that. No, if
1: you listen, if you don't want them interfering with your church, you better start voluntarily giving more than the law requires, and that will keep them out of your backyard. the Well, more and that's what ECFA
2: was supposed to be. Right. That was coming right. out of the right. whole PTL scandal. PTL, right. by the way, was an ECFA accredited church. Or ministry. Those guys are really good at their job then, aren't they? <laughs> really good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that came out of here. These watchdog organizations, ECFA, I mean, I won't go into all that because that's, uh, again, a tangent. And But read the blog if you haven't. I mean, the, the ECFA, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability is not really doing much accountability, but they are taking in an awful lot of money for putting a stamp of approval and supposedly telling the donor right. that this all church is well. all is well, but they're getting money from the church that they're supposedly the watchdog of. There's just an inherent problem there. So let's, we're going so, now to... But, the, but that's the trans,
1: that's the tra- transparency issue that you... Yeah. So you you have churches that are going, well, we're complying with the law. Oh, that's great. So you've made Caesar happy. Uh, what about Jesus? Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And we should be doing better. I, I think every church should publish... The budget should be a line item budget. Should be what all the salaries right, are. Right, because I
3: think, frankly, at megachurches, people are are okay with yeah. not, you know, they're they're not being open books. I mean, Harvest books still aren't open. They're no. not going to be, as far as as far as I know. But for some reason, the people who are still there are not rising up and demanding open books henceforth. Well, let alone the, about
2: the past. But, and the problem is, if you do. You get labeled a troublemaker, right? And I, and I hate to say that, but that's across the board at churches. I mean, I've felt like there's you have a quota of questions you can ask, sure. and if you exceed your we've, quota, we've we've exceeded you can feel
3: the it. quota as four people. Oh right my here, goodness, right? like, we've, we've got got troublemakers so right here. Off the board,
0: <laughs> our lifetime quotas
3: done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Okay, let's go to the larger church because I do want to have this discussion. In fact, I just posted a blog today um, about what happened back in 2012 when elephants debt. You guys decided to publish. You sent out a number of letters, um, emails. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, emails to prominent church leaders. The only one you actually name is uh, Scott McKnight and Matt Chandler. Two very different responses. You, you sent to a lot of other people, but you, as, as what I'm understanding is you you can't get the into that to to see. Yeah, we who can't all... actually
0: get into. It's the old bloodstained ink email address, and we just simply can't get into it at the moment. <clears throat> But what I do know is it absolutely would have included, uh, as best as I recall, Mm -hmm. uh, John Piper, John MacArthur, both of those figures that were connected to James. uh, We were talking earlier today, Ryan and I, it included Rachel Held Evans, who Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm. uh, did respond to us. And uh, as I recall, Mm -hmm. she said something to the effect of, I don't know entirely who you are. I'm doing this thing with Driscoll already, probably enough on my plate at the moment. Um, so it wasn't dismissive. I think mm-hmm. she was just realizing the limitations of her own uh, oh. platform and, and ability and, and things of that nature. Um, it would have gone out to folks like... Uh, I need
2: to add that to my piece. You didn't tell me that. I, we forgot about that until we were talking this <laughs> yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Update. Okay.
1: We're getting old. We forget things.
2: Yeah, but it would have
0: included folks, uh, Tim Keller, um, mm-hmm. D.A. Carson, uh, I'm trying to
2: remember other folks that it would have actually involved. Uh, a
1: lot of, I mean, Gospel Coalition, because he had just been recently <gasps> united with those f- folks. What and, about
2: Greg Laurie and Jack Graham? And they oh, come later as friends. No, I
1: wouldn't have known those guys really. No. Um, okay. But it, I think it was kind of Gospel Coalition, yeah. is kind of what I remember because so, they were connected there.
2: So the response
1: was deafening silence.
2: Except for Scott McKnight did. Right. He, he did post on Scott. it. Yeah. Scott
0: McKnight actually posted the elephant's debt on his blog, and that's because Scott McKnight is good people.
1: He is good people.
2: So, um, agreed. Northern,
1: Northern Seminary. You can go get, you know, great education. Do you want to give a little plug? Did <laughs> they pay little, you for that was, this? They did not. I just...
2: Maybe they'll give me a sponsorship for this podcast. Thank you very I like, well, yes. I I like their little much. project over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not only did you not hear back from everybody else except for Scott and something from Rachel, but you did hear from Matt Chandler at the Village Church, and you know I'll just I'll read it. Um, Scott, thanks for sending this to me. I guess it came in your near name, Scott, <coughs> although it was really from both of you. I haven't read through all of it. Speaking about the elephant's debt, um, I wanted to get your basic premise. So, so stop right there
0: for just a moment. I thought that was a st- like having not seen the email in seven years. When I'm rereading it, um, I haven't read the entire thing. Who actually engages in an argument in which they haven't actually read the details mm-hmm. of their opponent's argument? That just already, I'm like, flags
2: flying up. I might not agree with the decisions made by James or the elders at HBC, but I have no intention of drawing my attention or of drawing any attention to your blog, and if I can in any way deflect others from giving it coverage, I will use my influence to that end. It's unhelpful and maybe even harmful. I have to believe that you love our great King and are genuinely concerned, but taking this public, taking this public as a kind of expose, isn't the way I believe these things should be handled in the body. Any expectations mm-hmm. you have of this being useful should be reevaluated. This will not lead to repentance. This will only serve to push people to the fringes where helpful discourse is impossible, and ignorance and aggression will take over the conversation. isn't that funny, Julie? Ignorance will take over the conversation. The man starts
0: by saying, I haven't read the material.
1: I don't know what I'm talking
0: about. But I'm fearful that ignorance will overtake the conversation.
3: And you know what is playing in my mind when you read this is James McDonald's mantra for years that you're wrong, even if you're right, if you're wrong in the way that you're right. And he would use that yeah. to almost say, well, even if these guys are right, and they're kind of right about some things, mm-hmm. but, you know, I don't like that they publicly did this blog, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was a way, again, of su- suppressing people speaking out.
2: Well, let me finish it. I want to be fair to him. From um, for my own... Ab- accountability and protection. I've copied Brian Miller on this email. That's one of the pastors there. He's chairman of the elders. Okay. There's really not anything substantive beside that. But I did reach out to him and, and I'll say this to his credit. He got back to me. And, and responded, and this is what he said. He said, thanks for the opportunity to respond to your request. I went back and reread the email I sent in 2012. Reading the co- quote in context, my hope at the time was to see a best-case scenario of a local church exercising healthy accountability. In hindsight, I was naive to James' dysfunction and the brokenness of the whole situation. I am hopeful for light to continue to shine in dark places, and I'm thankful for your work.
1: So I, w- I wonder who the your. Is it your? Yeah, he's responding he's to me. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and actually I had a really nice conversation with the pastors at, at his church and they said they had read um, the World Magazine article that I did and had seen some of the other things and were shocked by what they heard and what they saw. And, and they did thank me for the work that I've done. And I appreciate that. I well, here's what I don't appreciate: is that you you got to poke these
1: guys with a stick to get them to mm. say anything about the problem in their own tribe and in the own Big C Church. This how are you a leader in this community when when you can't uh, just just say something as simple as yeah, you know this guy was my friend, he was my ministry partner, uh, we worked together and we built each other's platforms, and yeah, that was great. And wow, it turns out I was really wrong in my character assessment of this guy. Um, this seems to be deeply problematic and maybe we need to stay away from this person at least until they fully repent of everything and, and just be honest about what's happened instead of sort of quietly sneaking away. It's like, hey, come talk at my church and let's let's all be all buddy-buddy when everything's great. But as soon as it goes south, it's like, well, I guess I have no obligation to say anything at this point. How is that leadership?
2: Well, I will tell you one of my frustrations and I remember I called somebody and I'm not going to give her name. But, um, very well-known Christian leader. And this was in the midst of what was happening at Moody. And I was just, I was broken. I remember at that point, I thought, and I knew going into it, I'm like, I'm going to lose everything. But it's like, it's okay. You know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And to me, if he had given me this platform, he had given me to use it for his glory. And so if he takes it away, fine. You know, I like doing what I do. I feel passionate about it. But I love my kids. I love my grand. I have a grandkid coming, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll have more time. My life will be less complicated. Lord, whatever you want to do, do. But I remember calling and just really like, it's probably an hour on the phone, and she was so gracious. But the thing she said to me is, Julie, where is everyone? Where's everyone else? Where is everyone else? Why is no one standing with you?
3: Has anyone spoken out about James McDonald since October 2018, besides Scott McKnight, who gets another shout-out for—
2: In Northern you know, Seminary. Speaking out, excuse yeah.
3: me, in Northern Seminary also gets a mm-hmm. shout-out. But is there anybody who's even just acknowledged? I mean— There's silence. Beth Moore, Greg Laurie, Jack Graham. I mean, any of those people mm-hmm. who just have had associations, just to recognize, like, Look, hey— there's, what, there's,
1: there's still
0: former I'm sorry,
3: Harvest.
1: El- there's still former elders— who <laughs> have yet to say, Rester. of Harvest, who have sure. yet to say anything. Right. It's just...
0: Right. What, have we, what have we had? Two elders? Dan George and Mike, uh, Dunwoody. Mike
1: Dunwoody. Dunwoody. Yeah, um, yeah Dan, I mean, talk about a guy who actually knows how to lead.
0: Seriously? Dan yeah. George.
1: Right. Right? He, right. He's like, mm-hmm. look, I, I I fought for what I thought was right, and then when I realized I wasn't right... I just said I'm not right, and I begin to fight for what is right, and I'm I'm not going to pull any punches, and I'm just he's he's just a straight up gangster man, yeah.
2: full yep. confession, <laughs> repentance, everything, yeah. the whole nine yards. But exactly. and this is the thing we we have an evangelical system right now, and I think actually mm-hmm. Sky Chathani was the first one to write about this evangelical industrial complex where you realize you've you've, you've actually have an economic system now, just like the military had mm-hmm. yep. economic system, and our economy relied on it. We've got a system now where the publishers and the conferences and the institutes and the ministry partners and the books and the everything are all connected economically. Is that inherently evil? No. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And for some reason, it just seems to get in there. We
0: don't have to have that system. We could have chosen to run Google ads on the elephant's debt. And trust me, had we done that based on the number of hits we had, I wouldn't have had to beg for money for the lawsuit (laughs) era. Right. But we chose not to monetize it. We chose not to make a cent off of this thing. You can choose to self-publish a book. You can choose to. You won't sell. I'm sorry. You won't sell.
2: Unless you well, get a weird thing like the shack, right. but you won't sell. That's just how it works. And, and, I maybe, mean, <laughs> and maybe that's okay. Well, it is if you don't want to. Hit, uh, point, case in point, I remember this was, boy, would it be five, four years or five years ago now? But I remember meeting with a consultant um, because some people had come to me and say, we believe in what you're doing. We want to support it. You know, what what do you want to do? And, and I remember the first thing out of my mouth was I want to call a generation to holiness. That was my passion. I wasn't really sure how that fit into everything, but that was my passion. And so I said, well, they're like, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I know this guy. I'd met a guy. And so anyway, he consultant came in, and I remember we're sitting around the table, and I'm talking about, boy, I'd really like to be able to publish and, and do some of the things and excite and, this passion to, to, to influence and, and to use these things that God's given me to, to, for change. And, and they begin talking about building brand and building that. And, and they must have seen the look on my face, because he's like, are you okay with being a celebrity? And I'm like, well, that's not what this is about. And he's like, well, if you want to have an influence, this is how you do it. And I was just kind of like, oh, you know. And I remember, I think I said something like, well, I guess we don't have to sell your soul to do it. But the truth is, for me, that's, you know, for me it was. Like when that moody kind came, that was, for me, that was that watershed moment. It's like, okay, which do you care more about, the platform or this? Mm-hmm. But But that is just, and then. But God did use that platform that I built, Mm -hmm. and he did use this, you know, for lack of a better word. I mean, that's what it is. It's a platform. So it can be used for good or for evil. I don't like the system. I think the pressures are pushing in the wrong direction. Good authors, if you don't have a platform, it doesn't matter. Bad authors, you got a platform, you'll sell books.
0: Well, we didn't have a platform. (laughs) We didn't have an endorsement. We didn't have an agent. And- produce enough content on a subject that is valuable to consider you will find an audience um so that would be my first pushback on that but honestly as i listen to you talk about influence and whatnot sorry um it takes me back to my seminary days and uh, when i went to seminary uh, i had no desire to be a pastor Mm -hmm. um two grad degrees two programs two different schools no desire to be a pastor just wanted to learn uh, but in early classes, you would hear, you know, folks say, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to mm-hmm. do? And 20 year old after 20 year old after 20 year old, I want to plant a church. I want to put my DNA into it. I want to do. And you <laughs> would well, hear all scary. of this language. And you're like, uh, and I remember raising my hand going to any of you actually want to say, take an existing church? Like mm. take a church that maybe is struggling, and you right. just want to pastor the flock that's there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you got to be able to put your DNA, you got to be able to put your stamp. If you're really going to have, mm. it's already there in the 20 year olds that are sitting in seminary mm.
2: that cannot wait to get out and well, plant their I mean, church. It,
1: what's the sociological study that shows that the the rate of narcissism is highest in? That's the going be an an pastors. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be an upcoming show. I mean,
2: that's I mean, I'm reading a book now. It's just pastors sh- and off bloggers, scary.
0: pastors and bloggers. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and and uh, Twitterers. Well, Fair and point. just
2: to push back a little bit, and we're not going to really. Have time to go into much the whole blogging versus journalism, but I mean it did take the blogging synergy. good journalism not good. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> but, Set you up for the next better, show. Good, better. Uh, but the thing is, it, there was I think it did take finally that journalistic platform yep. to move this because it, it the needle had stopped. You guys had shut down, mm-hmm. and it really. But to me, I couldn't have done what I did nearly as effectively. You guys had the sources and the connections mm-hmm. and all these things. It, it takes I think. I mean and with all these investigations that I well, just these past two, it's taken a community. The broken twig with Yeah, with the broken Moody. twig. But there were there's a whole community behind them and mm-hmm. it it really is. And that's that's where to me I, I why I love investigations, because I feel like I see the worst of the worst. I really do. Sure. But I also work with the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And and honestly well, and this hopefully is well
1: you get that the next
2: time. Yeah. Well the best of the best of the best. <laughs> You got us for now. No, but I will tell you the people like you who have had the courage, and this, when I talked to that one leader that I referenced earlier, K. the Arthur. thing, be quiet. <laughs> <Elizabeth Althea. laughs> I, I'm not, I'm Joyce not. Joyce Meyer. Beth Moore. Just, not, I Just be I, I'm not denying this or confirming. This is why people hate us. <laughs> but I will say the thing that that leader said to me was, you know, when you look in Revelation, who are the ones that are standing outside? What's named first are the cowards. Right. Hmm. Right. and we have lost in the church mm-hmm. that you cannot be a godly person you can be as moral as all get out you can tell the truth you can do all those things but if you lack courage and when the rubber meets the road if you're not willing to speak because it'll cost you something
1: you're in the wrong right. business you're
2: in the wrong business and, and it did make me I've said this to my husband a million times I'm like this gives me I mean when I, I think about when the tribulation comes you know and we can argue about whether we're going to go through it or whatever but I think about when persecution comes, we, we've seen a foretaste of it now. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen it just in mm-hmm. these sorts of things of who stands up, who turns tails and runs, mm-hmm. who, who cowardly stands behind somebody else. And, and we need to remember this mm-hmm. in the church. So, mm-hmm. you know, that brings me to let me land this a little bit. Um, and, and this is where I want to land it is just how has this impacted you? spiritually and we only have like five minutes mm-hmm. which this could take mm-hmm. a very very long time but um i know it's impacted both of you gentlemen and i know jessica too mm-hmm. um it's well, why don't we me. start with jessica yeah I'll go. Okay. <laughs> I'll
3: go first because it's been yeah it's maybe take the most five re- minutes jessica recent. no 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 so i mean for for me and this kind of goes back mm-hmm. to the beginning my understanding of 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 scripture and i'm not a bible scholar but is that wolves false teachers unrepentant um, disqualified elders and fruitless deeds done in darkness need to be exposed, and it's it's hard for me to say that only other elders or only journalists or only bloggers or are, are responsible for that. I think we're all responsible mm-hmm. for it. So, so I guess in these past eight months, even though in particular, you know, when I've been more more public, it I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm obviously, I'm mentally exhausted, um, and I've put a lot of work into this, but really. It, it's really strengthened my faith, I have to say, and hmm. given an outlet for like, it's been affirming. Like, yes, I am a discerning person. And look, I can use these skills that actually were not appreciated in my church hmm. that were, you know, and maybe because I'm a woman, maybe maybe because I asked too many questions, a, a lot of things. But like, I was just a, a, a a pest who probably just seemed angry, you know, but like I could use some of these skills that, and some of my spiritual gifts, gifts, little though they may be, and, and put them toward, you know, advancing <gasps> the kingdom. That, that's how I saw it. And I'm not going to say that, you know, God told me to go on Twitter, although I did get on Twitter on Reformation Day, October 31st, <laughs> 2018, the same day that James McDonald's hot mic recording was actually going on on that day that's right It was. isn't that that's fascinating kind of that so is. he's plotting you know wow. about how to defend himself about the lawsuit with mm. Christianity Today and at the same time you know and again I'm not going to say it's God right but like I find that fascinating how mm. God you know people are like oh just let God do it God is doing it and he's doing it through through people it's His not people. just magic you know this isn't Harry Potter like he's He's <laughs> doing it through point. us you know we're we're the body right so for me even though yes I have, I have been somewhat exhausted that I've received so much though encouragement um, and Mm -hmm. and some hate too for sure but Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys these two guys like they took the brunt of the hate and like they Mm -hmm. paved the way for me and so many other people to finally speak out because Mm -hmm. for so long no one would speak
2: Mm -hmm. no one would speak. Amen. Wow that was awesome Mm -hmm. Scott's like I don't want to go through that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's an introvert and doesn't really talk so um, I don't know I mean so you know, you, you grew up in this church. I started going to harvest at, at the age of 19. And by the time things are kind of falling apart, um, from my observation, I'm 38-ish. So, you know, you're almost 20 years into this thing thinking, you know, this is a hot happening, really good thing. We're the guys with the white hats and everybody out there has got the black hats. And at the same time, I, you know, was while I was teaching there in the high school, um, started getting a master's degree in historic systematic theology. And so, you know, reading how different Christians throughout the ages and around the world have looked at this text very differently than how, how we in America as evangelicals had, had looked at it and, you know, kind of feeling like, wow, um, th- there's there's a world coming apart here, right? You've got a certain picture of what you think the world is um, mm-hmm. coming from your church and the tradition and then, you know, sort of educating yourself as to what, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot more complex than they told you, kid. And uh, so, so trying to find, find out, okay, well... If I don't think this is uh, maybe the best or most normative way to look at things, then then what is my ecclesial home so that that's a thing to go through, mm-hmm. but then to go through that in the midst of um, publicly um, going after a narcissist, I'll be the first one to actually say it um, and 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 getting lambasted for that, and not seeing that, oh, this isn't just a an uh, a less than desirable ecclesial option, but this is toxicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't white hats. This is this is black hats. Um, not everybody there. That's that's not what I'm saying. But an incredibly toxic environment that you believe to be good um, is a real. Um, I mean, people are talking about it on Twitter. It's like a free fall. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you thought this was good, but it's bad. It's it, it's a real shock, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Matrix moment. You swallow mm-hmm. the pill, and nothing ever looks the same. Mm-hmm. So you know. Um,
2: but one thing you said to me, yeah. and and Scott, you said it too, was my study of church history, study of theology yeah. has helped me. I know for me, you know, you look at the church in Corinth, that was a messed up church, yeah. right? You know, I mean, you see this repeatedly that the church, why God chooses to use people to be a part of his body and his reflection on the church. I mean, sometimes I say why, but that to me has been kind of like, okay, I'm not shocked. I would find this. I'm sad, but I'm not mm-hmm. shocked. Yeah, it doesn't wreck my it doesn't wreck my faith.
1: And the thing that I see, people on Twitter and, and comments on blogs is, I mean, these are you know average uh, Joe and Jill congregants. They don't they don't have a broader education in ecclesiology and, the, and theology and all these things. They don't have these categories to think about these problems. All they know is that. This is a guy they liked. This was a home. Some of them became believers. There. Right. And, I know. And, and, and they're just like, what just happened? And they don't even have categories to begin organizing their emotions and mm-hmm. their thoughts and how to process this. They're in desperate need of pastoral care. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of good pastoral care out there. Um, and they don't have time to begin to process the. I mean, I, I really thank God for... The, the job that Wheaton College did in giving me this education because mm-hmm. it actually gave me language and categories to begin processing some of these things without being in full-blown crisis.
0: Mm. Ryan, would you say that Wheaton,
2: Wheaton is as good know, as Northern? You know, I'm, I'm so going to tip fun. my hat a you know, little it,
1: bit to Wheaton. I
2: think they, they all need, you know, <laughs> know.
1: Get, they're all good. Get,
2: yeah, give yeah. a little yeah. money for the plugs yeah. they're getting here. I think here. so. I yeah. think you there should
1: you call go. David Fitch you know, and Scott and <laughs> see if you can get some money out of them.
0: We, I will finish with one piece on that note because I think this is important. Yeah. I've often said over the course of six years that I actually don't bear any scars from James. Uh, James has never actually personally done wrong by me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The scars that I walk away with are the scars from the individuals that failed to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The ones that actually knew and said, you know what? We've got this bad apple here, and you're not worth defending in favor of this bad apple mm-hmm. that's the one that makes it hard for because me because it'll
2: hurt me personally <clears throat> it'll hurt my platform it'll right. hurt my ministry right. yeah. and, right. and so it leaves me with a sense of
0: when i look at pastors now i i question whether they will actually stand up when something comes their way right mm-hmm. or will they simply capitulate um it's that cowardice thing that you were talking about in terms of revelation and i think that's the thing that's probably left the largest mm-hmm. marks on me If if
3: only the the leaders who left would have publicly said why they left. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. I love Joe Stoll. He was fantastic. But... He made people believe that he left because he found a university position, not because it had anything to do with any personal conflict. Like, and if he would have just even mm-hmm. sent an email to his friends and said, you know, and Harvest Associates and said, this is the mm-hmm. honest truth by, about mm-hmm. why I left. Not and he doesn't have to be disparaging, but just truthful. And mm-hmm. please forward this to anybody who may be interested. I, I just I think that would have been a righteous thing to well, do.
2: And, you know, all this reminds me of um, when I was doing youth ministry, which I did for many years while my kids were little, and uh, I do remember a church where a pastor, a youth pastor, who was very beloved, got involved, um, (laughs) a horrible scandal, um, got involved sexually with some of the girls in the ministry, it was awful, and the church was in shambles, but I'll never forget, apparently there was a meeting, I wasn't even at this meeting, but I heard about it, with the students, the whole youth group, and their parents, and the pastors at the church, (coughs) and apparently... One student stood up and she said, "I never was taught that I worship my pastor. I worship Jesus Christ and he's my leader and he's the one I'm looking to right now." And so I think that that's just where we have to be. We have to be mm-hmm. looking at Christ, looking at him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He doesn't disappoint, but but our leaders Sometimes they do, and um, they have clay feet, and hopefully we can forgive, we can learn, we can move on, and uh, we'll see some repentance from those who need to do it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Jessica and Scott and Ryan, for joining me. Pleasure. And thanks for joining us on the Roy's Report Extra. Again, I'm Julie Royce, and if you'd like to connect with me, just go to com. Also, if you haven't already, I encourage you to sign up for email updates at my website. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.